0: Hi everyone, I'm John C. Morley, the host of the Moore Tech Talk Show and Inspirations for Your Life. Well, hey guys, how are you tonight? It is John C. Morley here, serial entrepreneur, and it is great to be with you again on another fantastic, fabulous Friday. Uh, today, February 23rd, 2024, and uh, yes, this is the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. I am your host, John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. How do you guys dig my hat? If you guys do want them, we do have them. Uh, You guys know what that means. It means you can scan the QR code or you can just go to, like my hat's saying, believe. Then it says me. Then it says achieve, A-C-H-I-E-V-E. And then dot com. So just go there, like, love, and support my content. Also, be sure to go to TikTok and help us get followers there because we want to reach over 1,000 followers so we can stream live to that platform as well. Uh, We have an amazing show for you guys. I think you're really going to appreciate it. Lots of great things. But here's get to our topic. Here we are, everyone. Exploring the latest in digital dynamics, we're on Series 3, which means we're in the third year. Yeah, I know. Wow. Uh, And we're on show number eight in the third year because we're a weekly show. Uh, For those of you that do want daily content, you can go to BelieveMeAchieve.com and check out my daily show, which is Inspirations for Your Life. I also have a brand new show called Behind the Mic with John C. Morley, Serial Entrepreneur, which airs every single Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern on iHealth iHealth Radio. Uh, So definitely check that out. All right, let's get right into this, shall we? Here we go. So first thing, ladies and gentlemen, is um, OpenAI. Uh, Meta and other tech giants uh, unite to... Combat the AI election interference. So, what does all this really mean? Well, I think the biggest thing is that they all realize it's a problem. And, you know, we've got companies like uh, Google, we've got companies like Amazon, we've got companies like uh, Bing, right? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, right? Meta, um, X, which was Twitter before, right? Uh, and even TikTok that are starting to realize that this is very serious. And so if we don't start now to make sure that the election is not going to be derailed, and it's really sad when people use technology in a bad manner to get results that are not deserved. So I think it's really great uh, that they're all actually putting their differences aside and realizing that they need to come together and sign this bill Uh, to prevent AI interference of the election that's coming up this year. So, you know, the rapid growth of AI creates text, images, and video in seconds. But what people don't realize is it causes a lot of fakes. Uh, And in fact, uh, there was a gentleman, I was just reading about this today, that actually was a magician. And he actually got hired to create the deep fake of President Joe Biden. So I, I think that's interesting, but um, a quote I want to share with you uh, from the Global Affairs at Meta says, I think the utility of this accord is the breadth of the company signing up to it. This was according to Nick Clegg, and he says, quote, it's all good and well if individual platforms develop new policies and detection provinces, labeling, watermarking, and so on, but unless there's a wider commitment to do so in a shared interoperable way, we're gonna be stuck in a hodgepodge of different commitments uh, Clegg said this as well so I think we have to definitely have this consortium just like you know we have uh, you know the 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 w3 I'm sure you guys remember w3 do you guys remember W3 so w3 um, the big uh, the big um, you know web consortium and I think it's not just the case that it's actually the w3c is what what we call it the formal uh, name. And it's the World Wide Web Consortium, and it develops standards and guidelines to help everyone build a web based on principles of accessibility, interna- internationalization, privacy, and security. And I think it's good we have this, but you know, we don't have anything like this in the AI world. But I think it's coming. So I wanted to let you guys know about that and and what's going on now. Here's a really this is a sad one, but I'm happy to see that this. Um, finally got some uh, attention. Italy, yes, mandates TikTok to remove the French scar challenge videos. What the heck is this nonsense all about? Well, um, there was this challenge put up to create more challenge videos. And basically, um, AGcom uh, basically, um, not too long ago said it had four social media apps TikTok to remove some videos showing young people performing a dangerous practice known as French scar. The challenge involves pinching your cheeks to leave a lasting bruise on your cheekbone. And it became popular among young Italian users of the app uh, last year, prompting a very deep, thorough investigation by Italy's antitrust authority. I mean, I think it's terrible how a lot of these um, fads... I mean, there were fads on TikTok that many people wound up taking their lives over. I mean, you think it's all fun and games, but you have to realize something. The people creating these challenges, okay, they don't care about you. They don't care uh, about me. They care about getting more followers. And I think if we're doing this in an unethical manner or we're asking people to do something that is not moral or to do something that could potentially harm ourselves or harm others, I think it shouldn't be allowed. But hey, TikTok's really not taking responsibility on this. Italy had to step in to get them to do this. So I'm not really in love with the way TikTok's handling that. But hey, um, at least they're taking them down. And kudos to Italy, uh, because I think more people need to get involved with forcing TikTok to take down challenges that are going to cause people to have harm, either physically, mentally, emotionally, to themselves or to others. You know what happens? A lot of these challenges go on TikTok and kids think they're fun or they're funny. And then they do them and then they're hurt or they're rushed to the emergency room or all kinds of crazy things. Or worse, they die. Right? I mean, look what happened on Facebook not too long ago with uh, Mr. Mark Zuckerberger not taking responsibility. I'm not going to go back on that right now, but that's a pet peeve of mine. So I think we have to realize that social media is a good tool, but When it's used in an appropriate manner, it's not a good or a bad tool. It's how we choose to apply it that makes it so. All right, guys. Jumping on to our next topic tonight is uh, the TSA, introducing a new self-checkout for the TSA screens. So what's this actually going to be about? Well, uh, if you've ever traveled through the airport, and no, I'm not talking uh, that you basically go through, um, you know, the airport like you're going to check out at a grocery store, but it, it is... On the same line, of course, they have self-checkout at many of the stores there. We've seen that for years. This is going to allow travelers, and they're going to start this with the pre-check passengers only for TSA pre-check. But it will be rolled out into um, more areas, such as uh, the regular passenger uh, check, not just the TSA pre-check. So they have launched this uh, basically this past January 2024 at the Harry Reid International Airport. And so it's in a beta test right now where they have like an avatar. It walks you through, uh, you know, where to put, put your stuff, how to put it there. If you're going through the scanners and you find something in your pocket where you can actually self-resolve by coming out and ask you with something in your pocket so you can take it out, put it out, go back in. And you can self-resolve without getting the assistance or need to have help from a TSO Uh, a transportation safety officer. Yeah, the TSO name is becoming uh, very, very popular. But the question is, is the TSA self-check going to make travel easier or not? I think what we're going to find with all of this uh, is it's going to be a mess because a lot of people, regardless of their age, I think they're not going to understand how to use technology, even though it's going to be so blatantly obvious of how to do it, like click here, click there. How many times do you go to like a Home Depot and you're waiting 20 minutes because the person didn't click on pay, right? I mean, maybe the vendors have to be a little more specific to tell you to hit that button or flash, maybe. But I see this to be a nightmare in the beginning because there's just gonna be a lot of bottlenecks. Uh, The big thing that they're hoping to do with this is to basically um, make travel easier, safer and faster. But I don't think that's going to happen in the very beginning. So I'm sorry about that. So you might be asking, hey, John, so how does the TSA, you know, how, how does the, if you're asking this question, a lot of you are probably asking the question, so, so how does um, the TSA uh, self-checkout work? All right. So let me see if I can give you um, like a rundown of it. So the way it works is, you know, you're, you're standing uh, in line, okay? And it's a self um, kiosk, basically, that's very similar to fast food and sit down restaurants. And it basically is to guide the passengers through uh, the trusted traveler program to complete the security screen. Right. And they're hoping that people will be able to follow these steps. They're going to make them easy. Of course, there's going to be challenges. And the other problem is, is that it's going to take a while because if people don't know how to do this, then there could be a nightmare. Of you know, taking forever to wait for the person in front of you to realize that you know they haven't finished their check. Uh, so I think this is going to be a little bit of a problem for a lot of people. Uh, not to say that it cannot get resolved. I'm, I'm not going to say that it can't get resolved. But what I am going to tell you is that it's it's going to be some issues. Yeah, the, the TSA uh, self checkout uh, will have issues. And uh, the self-checkout um, style, okay, is um, basically, like I said, it has an avatar, it has a machine, and, you know, it's going to kind of walk you through what to do, where to go, where to put your bags, and basically not needing the assistance of a TSO unless intervention is required or the system cannot resolve things. Um, so... I don't know I, I think I think we're gonna have to see what happens, but I know a lot of these people are wanting it because you know why it's gonna get rid of a lot of jobs. So that's a bad thing too. And then you're also gonna take out that human element of going through the TSA transportation safety um, you know uh, administration's uh, security line. I, I think it's gonna be a problem. I think a lot of people think. That you know, you know, you just move through quickly. But if somebody doesn't know how to use a computer, if somebody doesn't know how to click on the green button or, you know, put your bag on the counter, how many times have you been in a store and it tells you, uh, you know, please take the item out of the bagging area before continuing? And you don't know what the bagging area is. So you keep scanning and then it becomes more of a mess and then it flags the button. Then you got to wait for somebody to come over and it just becomes a mess and they have everybody all upset because they can't check out. So I feel that it's going to have to be so keep it simple, stupid. But we've seen how things have rolled out before. We have seen this. And we know that whenever they roll things out, there are problems. I mean, this is not a a surprise. It should be a shock to anyone. Um, It's going to be a problem. So there's also going to be the increased risk of theft. Uh, There's high upfront costs. There's less human contact. And there's customer confusion and lots of equipment issues. So now somebody could take your valuables. I mean, it just seems to me like it's not really well thought out yet. Um, Can you get in trouble for not scanning at self-checkout? Yep. You could be charged with theft. If at the time a store security did not stop you, it's unlikely they will pursue the matter. So this is what happens in a store, right? Right. But in the self-checkout lanes, um, you know, in in the airport, it's not really theft. It'll be considered a federal violation that you've actually went through the line. And that would be worse than theft, right? Because that'd be a federal issue. So people say to me all the time, John, you know, I went through the line at Kroger's or Publix or Stop and Shop, and I realized that I didn't scan items. I was at the store. I realized after the fact that I left without paying for an item in my hand. I was talking on the phone and was really honestly just forgot to pay for that item. And asking a few people they have left and know that they could have known, but didn't apprehend me. But instead they they could have the police visit me later because they have recorded my information on camera. So I think the biggest issue is there is no room error um you've seen the things before own un- unknown item in the boarding area okay and this is what we're going to see unknown item in the boarding area like unknown item in the bagging area right you remember we're seeing that uh in some of the latest um let's say stories uh the tr- trends of technological work is seeming to make a difference but i think it's going to be more of a problem before it gets better so maybe the next time you fly you're required to screen yourself at a security checkpoint the TSA is testing out this new system. And again, um, I remember even going to the airport just the other day and they're using self e-gates. Now, of course, this sounds very simple, right? You have your pass on your phone or you have your paper boarding pass. First of all, if you have the pass, you have to scan the paper. If you have it on the phone, you have to make sure your phone's at the right, at a higher brightness or it won't read. And then once you get it scanned, then you go through and then you have to wait a second for the gates to close and then reopen again. What I noticed is that it doesn't actually go any slower than a person could walk through. It's about the same rate that it would take somebody to walk through because I was timing this a few times. So we can't argue that it makes the process slower as long as people are actually doing what they're supposed to, which is constantly scanning and moving through. Now, the TSA said, and I quote, This program is intended to decrease the load on officers, freeing them up for more important duties. Uh, The goal of the system is to make travel process more efficient and free up officers to perform other duties, according to the TSA materials and the so-called screening at speed program. Yes, that's what they call it. The TSA screening at speed. So with more and more people flying all the time, the agency is trying to screen people quickly uh, without increasing the number of TSA officers uh, known as TSOs. So travelers will use passenger and carry-on screening systems at individual consoles or uh, screening lanes themselves reduce the number of pat-downs and bag inspections and uh, TSOs need to perform them. But I got to tell you something. I still do a manual pat-down. I do not like going through those systems. I think I told you before that we have found that actually um, the M-Wave technology— Forget whether it was showing X-rated uh, pictures, which has obviously been fixed from a few years ago from the scatter technology. Um, when you scan, it's been shown, they had this test done, a study in Mexico not too long ago, that over 95% of the people had their double-stranded DNA, as, uh, DNA, uh, double-stranded DNA actually unzipped. So really what that meant is it was killing uh, their double-stranded DNA. And you might say, well, John, what's the big deal of that? Well, first of all, it will affect reproduction, so that will actually be the same in 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 the reproduced uh, person but also um if you had a skill let's say that you were a crackerjack um pitcher and that was a trait in you but that that uh duplicated DNA for that that uh, gene got unzipped well you won't even be able to pick up a ball if you're lucky so i feel that i get where they're going and i know why they want to do this but i, I think that there's got to be a lot more information available and I think that it's too new right now. I think there's going to be lots of issues, uh, you know, what's been happening. And, and um, you know, they announced uh, not too long ago uh, that they are awarded contracts of over a few billion dollars. And um, so obviously there's financial costs, right, uh, that, that's coming into play here. And, of course, there's going to be a massive learning curve with this. And it's not going to be a learning curve with uh, screener personnel. It's uh, going to be a lot more of, you know, how does the system work? Is it working properly? You know, the concept or the proof of concept seems very simple, but is it really going to work well? Uh, it's going to be a learning curve with all the passengers. So already self-service uh, uh, boarding gates at airport terminals are creating boarding delays at New York's JFK Airport. And all travelers are required to do this as they scan their ticket. So, again, they're trying to make things easier, but I feel that this is not the right pathway. So the micro self-screening pod includes a baggage scanner uh, right and a body scanner to the left. And uh, the scanning at speed program is part of this phenomenon that they want people to start using. I still am going to go through the manual pat-down because I value my body and my cells. So with financial and human issues at hand, the role of the program will be small at first, and they'll be getting feedback before they make changes. Now, um, like the self-ordering kiosks at fast food and sit-down restaurants, self-service screening allows passengers in the trusted traveler program to complete the security screening process on their own. Now, they're doing this for the TSA pre-check, but I think what's going to happen is we're going to see this rolled out into not just the trusted traveler program, But we're going to see this in a lot more areas. Okay, so I just feel that I mean I think the technology is great, but I think it's just not ready to be rolled out just as quickly. All right. So I don't know if you guys know what an emoji is, uh, but before I get into emojis, do you know what what an SOS is? So what is if you if I asked you guys this, what is an SOS or what does SOS mean? If I asked you this question. What does SOS actually stand for? Well, it stands for Save Our Ship. Um, It is a Morse code sequence of three dits, three dats, and another three dits. The three dits, three dats, and three dits. The three dits, which would be the short ones, dit, 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 and three dats. Dat, 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 and then dit, dit, dit. So dit, dit, dit. That dat, dat, dit, 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 is SOS. So now you learn something. You learn Morse code. You didn't even think you are going to learn that today. So dit, 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 dat, 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 dit, 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 is save our ship. And it was coined by the sailors to signal for help when a vessel was in any type of distress. Um, you know, when we think of SOS, uh, the police have another uh, meaning for SOS, and it's save our souls. Uh, this is the same signal, it's SOS, it's dit, 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 dat, 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 dit, dit, dit. And the SOS distress signal is a sequence of three, um, basically uh, three dots, which is a dit, 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 dat, 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 dat dit, 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 so dits are dots, without any spaces. And in international Morse code, the three dots represent the letter S, uh, the three dashes represent the letter O, um, okay, and then you have the S again. So, the thing is, an SOS is a distress signal, okay? Um, in the military, it means survivor outreach services. So long, long and short is everybody knows when they hear SOS, it means you're in trouble and we need help. Whether you're on a ship, whether you're on a mountain, whether you're in a boat, uh, whether you're on a plane, um, whether you're anywhere, whether you're on the beach, it means, hey, I need help, Right? So save our souls is probably the one most people will know. But the thing is this, is that if you're ever in a situation, which I hope you never are, uh, maybe you're captured or maybe it's a, another type of uh, uh, situation that puts you under distress by a bad act, knowing what I'm going to share with you and implementing it could save your life. All right. So what am I talking about? So discover the emergency use of emojis. Now this is really really cool, ladies and gentlemen. you can actually use emojis, okay to basically save your life well h- how can we use emojis, John to save our life? I thought you would never ask me that so so how so how um, how can we use emojis as uh, a secret a secret symbol well, It's really pretty easy. So if you're trapped somewhere and you have your phone, but you obviously can't call, you obviously can't text, because they're probably going to be, you know, over your head watching what you're doing. um, You can create a variety of different things that you could send out. Now the thing is, it could be something quirky, but something you normally don't text. Maybe it would be a dog if you don't text dogs. Maybe it would be an octopus. Maybe it would be an alligator. Uh, Maybe it would be. Something else, an elephant. It could be a variety of things. Okay. Maybe it could be a, an unsmile. Uh, maybe it could be um, something else. But I recommend it not being like a symbol like a face. I recommend it being something more like an animal. And the reason I say that is if you just text like, uh, uh, you know, a secret animal or something or a secret um, thing, it can really keep you and your family safe. All right. And it's not hard to do. Uh, Octopus, giraffe, there are some other good ones. Unicorn, mushroom, volcano. And so when you send this signal through a text to a loved one and they see it, they're not going to respond back to you except to respond back with the same icon. And then the person there wouldn't think anything. They wouldn't really catch why you're texting. They wouldn't really get the signal. Some wise people might, but most most crooks won't. So this is a great way when you don't have time to say, "Hey, I need help," right? And maybe some bad actors know what "dit dit dit that 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 dit dit dit" is SOS, right? So we don't want to tip them off. But why not make a choice actually tonight and go to your iPhone or your mobile device and pick uh, an emoji, one that's easy for you to get and one that your family will know that you're only going to use this in times of distress. Uh, You might choose to use this uh, if you're at a party and you want to get picked up and you just need to just text something real quick. I recommend keeping it simple so that whenever this signal is sent, it's like a silent SOS. Now, you can decide that whenever that SOS is sent and that little signal is sent, um, they're either going to text you back or not, Um, I recommend that if you are somewhere with bad actors, make sure your phone is on vibrate or silent. Um, Because here's the problem. If somebody ever calls you, you probably are hiding your phone. You don't want a bad actor to know that you have a phone. But if somebody catches you texting something, I just text a little bunny rapper. it's, it's, It's my brother's birthday and I was wishing him happy birthday. So, and he likes bunny. So, you, you know, you could you could play around with it, right? But I don't want you to have your phone on anything, but really it should be on silent and you should be looking at it is what you should be doing. Because if it vibes and it's near something, the bad actor could hear it. Uh, this is also very important. And we'll talk about this in, a, in, a, in another program. We talk more about technology and, and protecting ourselves from, you know, bad actors, like in the case of, uh, of. Um, you know, like a, a building, um, you know, a direct shooter or something like that, arm shooter. Um, you know, we could talk more about that then. But I just want to let you know that this is really easy to do. And why not make the choice to pick yourself an emoji right now. So I could go to my phone literally right now. And I could go to a text. And I could just go to one of my texts. And I could go to my little face there at the bottom, you can see little face at the bottom. And I could scroll up if I want. If I want to type, let's say I want to type in, I don't know. I want to type an octopus. So as soon as I typed an octopus, you guys can see. I don't know if you guys can see it. Hopefully you can. Maybe, maybe not, because I have this protective screen. You might be able to see it now. Let's see. Yeah, there we are. Uh, you can see the octopus. So that's red, um, and it's very easy to find. And also things that you use frequently will automatically pop up. But it's very easy to just type OCT hit it, bam, send, and somebody knows that you're in distress. You're in trouble. All right. So I hope that was viable, and I hope you guys choose to utilize this. And more likely, I hope that you'll never have to use it. But if you do use it, I hope that it actually saves somebody's life. That is the most important thing. I hope that it will save somebody's life. Um, Now, the next thing I want to share with you guys is uh, Kara Swisher. Do you know who Kara Swisher is? So Kara Swisher, uh, she's sick of tech people. So she wrote a book about them. uh, Silicon Valley's top uh, dishes on her uh, memoir, Burn Book, Immature Billionaires and Whether She's Actually Mean or Not. So yes, Kara Swisher is sick of them. But is it really because of what they did to her? Like, why is she sick of them? Um, You know... She's basically made this decision to you know, get this voice out there. And no tech journalist has built a bigger brand for herself than her. And, and her three-decade career is a study in hard work and uncommon confidence. And she rose from being a reporter at the Washington Post to the Wall Street Journal's internet reporter. But I think she's trying to send a message to people that it's really about these people that don't use technology in a manner that is going to be... Let's say appropriate. So I know what you're going to ask me. So what book uh, did Karen Karen Swisher uh, write? Uh, and that's a great question. So the book that Karen Swisher wrote, it's called. Um, she, 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 uh, she wrote "Burn Book," a tech love story. Uh, she wrote "There Must Be a Pony in Here Somewhere," um, about hating about hating tech people. Uh, so because she wrote a couple books. So the one about the tech people is uh, interesting, but and it's called How Silicon Valley Tech Bros Ruined Media. Wow, that, that's really strong and, and very to the point. All right, so how many of you out there have a pet? Maybe you have a dog, maybe you have a cat or a furry friend. Well, your furry friend now can have his or her own electric door opener. Yeah, that's right. They can actually have, just like you come home on a rainy or a snowy night, you press that button and you pull right uh, into the garage. Well, now you're, uh, I know your pet doesn't have a, uh, <laughs> they actually don't have a, uh, a garage they pull into, but they have a house, right? And so um, understanding this, I think is really cool. And it's only going to set you back just a little under $500. So I think this is a really cool thing. And uh, the thing I think that's very interesting about this Is that what it's going to do for people, you know, like like allowing people to have, I'm going to say that freedom because that freedom is is really, really cool. Uh, But some companies have come out with this and the way it works is um, you install this um, this this doggy door or cat door. And what happens is uh, the pet wears a collar. And when the pet gets so close, a motorized door opens and the cat or dog can come right in. And uh, people are asking, could it be a bird? bird?" Yeah, it could be anything you want, but any kind of pet that you want in your house. I mean, I don't think you want an alligator. I don't think you want a bear. So it's obviously a small little door just for your pet to get in. And then once the pet has gone in, the door will shut when it gets a little bit away from it. Same thing happens when the door, the dog or pet leaves. Um, As soon as they get a little further, the the motorized door will shut. So a little different than a garage door opener, but I think it does bring out the same premise that the pet can have their independence. I think that is really, really cool. And as we were talking a lot, ladies and gentlemen, about media. All right. So Instacart plans to roll out shopping cart ads on their carts. This is very, very interesting if you ask me. So now not only are you going to be uh, inundated with ads around the store, Instacart is starting to pilot ads on its, they call them caper carts. Uh, at Good Fold Holdings, Bristol Farm Stores, starting in, uh, in Southern California. And basically, it's a cart. It has like a little tablet in it. Then it has the little uh, Ingenico thing where you can actually, uh, you know, run and pay for your transactions. And they're rolling out ads on their AI-powered shopping carts. And it pushes the grocery delivery company even further into an ever-important revenue-generating advertising segment. So, while you're shopping, it can now actually give you ads about other things. So, you have your cart, which shows what you're adding to it, but then it also says, Hey, you may also like this. I don't know. I might find that a little bit intrusive. I think that's the problem with that. And if something's intrusive, I wouldn't want it. I don't care if I'm going to save 100%. I don't like to be bothered when I'm shopping, just like, you know, if you go to buy a new car, at least a new car, I don't want to be harassed by somebody. Oh, well, do you need help? Um, I'm good right now. If I need something, I'll reach. I'll, I'll reach back to you. I mean, somebody says, "Hey, when you have questions, uh, please feel free to, to come back." Not a problem. But somebody keeps like, Hey, did you did you need help? You just asked me that ten minutes ago. Then I come back in. Oh, uh, what color are you, you know? Can you stop asking me like what I want? If I want something, if I need your help, I will ask. Okay. Right now, I just want to browse. And if you ask me once again, I'm going to leave. All right. So um, let's talk about something else cool. Taylor Swift. We know Taylor Swift. Well, I think this is this is like terrible. In December, Swift's lawyers sent uh, Sweeney, uh, this unscrupulous uh, fan, a cease and desist letter saying his tracking of her jet tipped off stalkers as to her location. Let me say that again. So they sent a cease and desist letter that his tracking of her jet tipped off stalkers to her location and accusing him of effectively providing individuals intent on harming her or with nefarious or violent intentions and a roadmap to carry out their plans. Now, the thing is this, was you know Taylor Swift really in a danger? I don't know. But all I know is that this college student who tracked Taylor Swift's private jet online uh, flight back against the popular star's lawyer, after they threatened legal action against him, Swiss attorney said that Jack Sweeney's next day account, where he posts the flight information for Swift's private plane, tips off stalkers. But Sweeney's lawyer says in a new letter that there's nothing illegal about what he's doing. Well, what the heck is he doing? Like, why is this even allowed? And Sweeney's website um, uses public information from the Federal Aviation Administration to share the flight information as well as fuel use and emission of celebrity jets, including those of Kylie Jenner, Bill Gates. I I get that there's nothing wrong with it, but why are you doing it? Like, there's got to be a reason to it. You know what I'm saying? So I smell something bad here. I'm just being honest with you. So we'll have to keep an eye on that, but I don't think that's something that I know I would like. I wouldn't want somebody to just put down where I'm going. That's like you saying, hey, you know, I I, uh, was able to tie into your GPS system. By the way, I tracked down where you're going or I tied into your your Apple phone and I figured out where you're going. That's a little scary. So I want to cover another story with you guys tonight, and that is crucial steps before renewing your Amazon Prime. First of all, I have a question for you guys. How many of you out there have Amazon Prime? Unfortunately, I do. (laughs) Um, But Amazon Prime has really taken, it's taken a a rise in the price. Um, Amazon Prime is now up to almost $880. You get free two-day shipping and it sounds great. But guess what, everyone? Even though it sounds free, I found that it's not really free. They actually bake the price of the two-day into the order. That seems kind of bad. So it's really not for free. And uh, you might be saying, well, John, what else can you do? I mean, we love Amazon. They're great. Half the time, the item doesn't get there, right? So there is one thing. And and, uh, I'm not for one credit card or another, but I have to tell you something I found out. It's called Capital One Shopping Uh, to your browser. It's a free tool that guarantees to find the best deals out there. And without there, I mean the whole internet, every single corner of it. And the algorithm behind it is so strong that customers already referred to it as insane deal browser extension. The best thing is everyone can use this trick to finally get real deals again. So you might see Amazon for let's say one item for $150, but then find on a Capital One a uh, reference site that it finds, it's not Capital One site, it's a site that it found through the Capital One tool for $109.00. So the only thing you have to do is add the Capital One shop in your browser. It's a browser app tool that guarantees to find the best deals out there. And without there, again, I'm talking the whole internet. My question is, is, and I'm not sure about this, is Capital One doing anything with our data? Like, I don't know if they are. I'm not 100% sure. I've used it a few times. And I got to tell you, I think it's pretty neat the way you can just, you know, get deals. And I always thought that Amazon was the cheapest, but I got to tell you, they're not the cheapest. I mean, they seem to have the most convenience. Yes. You don't get the same driver all the time. That's number one. And try to get a live human being on the phone. It just doesn't happen. Amazon actually doesn't want you to speak to a live human being. They'd rather you text. They'd rather you email. They do not want to raise their resources and money to pay someone to talk to you on the phone, which is why they want to do auto returns like pretty much automatically. Um, when you have a customer service issue, where do you go? You go off to China or some other country, right? And when you ask these people to transfer your call to someone in the U.S., they get nasty. And sometimes they even hang up on you. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing this dynamic of what's happening between Amazon pricing, competitiveness, having things first, and starting to realize that just because something's right smack in front of your face doesn't mean it's the best value, right? Uh, You've got to research things. You've got to look around. And the reason you got to do that is because you are not getting the best deal, ladies and gentlemen, by just going to Amazon. It might seem so simple. Maybe you have points on Amazon and that's great, but you're paying 180 bucks a year. You think you're paying for free shipping, but guess what? You're not paying for free shipping. You're actually paying for shipping in the price of the item. So I think they're kind of, I don't want to use the word lying, but I think they're not really being a hundred percent truthful with us. I think that's probably the biggest thing I can tell you. And if they're not being hundred percent truthful with us, then how do we actually deal with it? I think we have to shop other places. We have to shop other places. So we talked about an awful lot last tonight, And I know what you're probably saying to me as we're kind of, you know, almost rearing out of the month here. In fact, uh, next week, ladies and gentlemen, can you believe this? This is the last Friday in February. We're going to be in March. The next time I talk to you guys, it's going to be March 1st. That is like Insane, insane, insane! Uh, you've heard me say this before, ladies and gentlemen. Technology is not good. Technology is not bad. Okay, it's how we choose to apply that technology. We're seeing lots of different things with AI popping up. We're going to see lots more cases, like we saw the big antitrust case that's coming with you know DuckDuckGo and and Google. And we're going to start to see that what once was okay because they were the big guys doing it they're going to be getting in trouble. And the reason they're going to be getting in trouble is because the world's going to prove that they're actually being dishonest and deceitful. Or they're actually creating a monopoly. Um, I can tell you that you've got to think about what's going on. And you've got to know that when you choose a technology, If you go to buy something and you say, Hey, gee, it's cheaper. If I do this, are you giving up your privacy to get a cheaper price? If you drive a little further to get a product rather than get it online, I mean, what are you giving up? And the other question is if something goes wrong, how easy is the customer service? The customer service at Amazon is not easy. It's like, hold your breath. How long could you hold it for? (sighs) Right? It's like, I will tell you, in all the years I've been a member, and I'm still a member of them, unfortunately, it's convenience, right? But I know they're not the cheapest. So for convenience, hands down, they're good, right? I can order something up until 7, 8, 9, 10 o'clock and get it the next day. But am I getting something at the best possible value? And i used to say yes but now i say no so a lot of times you could take a price at amazon you think the price is great you could take that price into your staples wherever store it is and they will price match it for you amazon will not price match other places so if you get a better price at amazon go take it go go somewhere and show them that printout and they will uh match that price I remember the days when uh, I believe it was Home Depot and Lowe's would price match Amazon or the place online. Now they will only price match themselves. Lowe's and Home Depot only price match each other. They will not price match a Walmart, uh, an Ace Hardware, or another brick and mortar. They will only place price match uh, basically their competitors that are in the same industry. So like a Lowe's, uh, a Home Depot, Home Depot, Lowe's. And I think... This is telling me that they're trying to tell you that we're not going to give you a discount. So I think we as people need to realize that it's our job to always find the best value. I'm not telling you to drive all around the world, but I am telling you to get your best value. And I got to tell you how shocked I was recently to learn that Amazon is not always your best deal. All right, guys. I'm John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. It has been an amazing, of course, you know this, privilege, pleasure, and honor to be you this fantastic evening. I hope that you will like, love, support my channel. Definitely comment below. Tag your friends, colleagues, and associates. Share this out with everyone you know on social media. Hey, give me a like on my channels. Give me a follow on TikTok. We really want to reach over 1,000 so we can start to the stream there. I hope you guys have an amazing uh, rest of your evening and a fantastic uh, week. If I don't see you in one of my other shows real soon, well, I'm going to see you again on another Jay Moore Tech Talk show. Yeah. Uh, next Friday, March 1st. Have yourself a fantastic uh, week and I'll catch you real soon, everyone. Be well.